0: This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Good afternoon, America. I hope you're having a wonderful, relaxing, joyful Saturday. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jonathan Dunn. I hope it's becoming more like spring wherever you are. Um, Here it's really, really cold, um, but dry. So I suppose we shouldn't complain too much. I want to spend today's show talking to you about not really politics. I want to talk to you about the individual. And I want to share some personal stories and situations I've gone through over the last couple of weeks. Where I've done some soul searching. And I want to give you my mindset. And I want to ask you some very tough questions. If you've been listening to this show for the last four or five weeks, you might have picked up on my mindset and what I have focused on has been somewhat different. One of the battles I think we are facing right now, and we are facing many battles, but is very central that never really gets discussed, is we are fighting for our own humanity. We are fighting to remain individuals. We are fighting the urge not to follow in the footsteps of the rest of the world and becoming a collective, becoming a number. I'm witnessing it on elections, and it's mainly politically driven. But I'm seeing it more and more from my conservative Libertarian friends who seem to have not only this attitude of, you're either with me or against me, but they desperately want to be a collective. Because the way they act, the way they talk, if you're with me, you're good, you're decent, you're open-minded, you're awake. But if you dare disagree or share a different view or heaven forbid you know break that that sacrament of actually wanting a different political candidate in the White House, well, then you're bad, you're stupid. you need to be demeaned, insulted at every level. We are battling for our very humanity right now. And one of the ways you keep your humanity, is to always see the individual and not dehumanize them. If you've listened to this show for weeks or months or since it started, thank you. But you will have heard me heard me talk about it on many different occasions about one of the things the left and Karl Marx and socialists seek to do is to dehumanize the individual. Seek to eliminate their life experiences, their history, their skills, their attributes, their emotions. There is a right way and there's a wrong way. And I fight that at each and every opportunity I get. There are many reasons I love America. Your belief in the individual is core and is paramount. To what makes you unique and exceptional. Your belief in the individual. And that you are not a number. Not a part of the collective. Not part of a hive. And sure as hell not part of the Borg. There's a Star Trek reference for you. Is something that makes you exceptional and unique. But I'm seeing many people just give that up. We seek to destroy people. That we don't agree with. So why am I bringing this up today and how, what has happened in the last couple of weeks that has changed my mindset? And I don't per se changed that it, it's just made me focus on different things and focusing in on the individual and humanizing and their story is I've had some um, bereavements in my family recently and in my family friends. And when you lose someone, thankfully, it's not an immediate family, but there were a couple of cousins and, and a friend through a church that I know. And when you lose someone, it makes you question a lot of things. Sometimes they're not new questions, it just makes you seek clarification in your own head. And as you go to funerals, and as I went to funerals, and I'm sure everyone who's listened has dealt with death at some level, Um, and death is never easy. It's from as a Christian, it's it's tough because you got to find that balance of yes, you have your own personal pain and anger and hurt of losing someone, and that fear of the unknown, how will things change and how will you cope and how you, how will you deal and what will be the new normal? But you also have to celebrate that person's life and remember them for the person they were. So as I met these funerals, some thoughts ran through my head. And specifically the last one I was at just this week. Uh, A friend through the church I used to frequent. A lovely gentleman passed away. As you learn how people die, there is lessons to be learned in that. And the lesson I learned from my friend passing away was how blessed we are each and every day to wake up. Here was a gentleman, not that old. I think he was in his late 60s, early 70s. And one evening, didn't feel so good and said he was going to go to bed and have a lie down. And his wife went to check on him 10 minutes later and he was dead. It can happen that quick. So my first lesson was never take anything for granted. And as a deeper lesson, was be careful of your last words to people. You never know the time nor the place when they might pass on. But as I was at his funeral, and I was in a different section to the, to the family because I was involved in the actual funeral. So I was sitting in the front row, the opposite side of the family. And I'm looking directly across at his wife, at his kids, and their partners, their wives, grandkids, nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters. I'm seeing them all mourn. And during that whole funeral, I, as I was praying and I was looking at their story, and during the eulogy of of Hugh, I was listening to the stories of how he was involved with different people. I listened to his life story. What were his skills? What was he passionate about? Looking at their life story, how he was, how long he was married, his involvement in the community, his involvement in the church. Looking at his friends and family who you could clearly tell left, he left a big impact on. Thinking of all the stories and the emotions that they shared. You know, the things we take for granted. Whether it's, you know, just going out to the to watch a local match and seeing the local team play. Or whether it's, you know, just sitting down having dinner together or watching telly or watching a movie. That interaction that so many of us take for granted. Listening and, and hearing those stories and the funny stories that they told. The scenarios they found themselves each in. And you know the one thing that wasn't brought up, and I've yet to see being brought up at a funeral by his friends or his family, was how they voted in the last election. We've had recent elections. There's a special coming on that in a couple of weeks of the Irish election. But we had elections. There was never any discussion. Who did he vote for? What? What did he stand for? What politician was his favourite? What party was his favourite? And if you didn't share his view, how you were stupid or just didn't get it. We are in a fight right now, in many ways, for everything we believe in, but also to fight for our own humanity. Because on this, there is no middle ground. There is no centrist position. There is no squishy, moderate, weaky, I just don't want to offend anyone position. We either believe in the individual. We either believe in the individual, that they have a story to tell. That their life is an individual story. With good and bad. We either believe that that individual has a set of unique talents, unique skills, and life experiences. We either believe that individual has a unique set of emotions that when you add all of those things together, form that individual. Or we believe in we're not individuals, that none of us are unique and exceptional. We just believe in the collective. And your own emotions, your own life experiences, your own skills and attributes mean squat. It's what you think, who did you vote for? And I will make the definition of whether you're a good person or a bad person based solely on that vote. We believe you're a number. You just happen to be one of... 10,000 people who voted a certain way, in a certain district, in a certain county, in a certain state, and that is either right or wrong. Which do you want to be? This might sound incredibly arrogant or incredibly insulting to someone, I don't care. I'm unique, I'm individual. There is no one on God's green earth in the history of it that shares the same story that I do. That has the same passions, the same emotions, the same skills that I do. That shares the same story, both good and bad. And there will be no one like me. I'm not saying that's a good thing or look at me how great I am. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm unique. Which do you believe? And Which world do you want to live in? Do you want to believe, live in a world that believes in the individual and celebrates the individual at each and every opportunity? Or do you want to live in a world where you're just a number, you're just part of the collective, just a follower? And the whole difference of, between people is not their life experiences, their skills, their attributes, their emotions. It's, well, how did you vote? Which party did you vote? Did you do something I wanted you to do? And if you did, you're good. And if you didn't, you're bad. And you must be demeaned, insulted, and broken down at each and every opportunity. We are fighting for our humanity. We are fighting for everything right now. Which course do you choose? I'll be right back in my
0: Freedom versus Freebies This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we continue, I want to share some stories with you. I would ask you a personal favor. If you happen to listen to this show on iTunes, if you could consider leaving, making a rating and leaving a review, I'd really appreciate it. It helps with um, the standing of this podcast on iTunes. Um, or if you know anyone who happens to listen, Um, please ask them to leave a rating. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. I want to continue on from the emotion of the first segment and share some stories with you and ask you to put yourself in my position or in other people's position and see how you would react. As I was at my friend's funeral, um, he was a Catholic, I heard a story That troubled me and made me question a lot of things. And I want to share that story with you. He was involved in the church in different ways. And he was a Catholic. And for those not familiar with Catholicism, one of the most important parts of Catholicism and been involved in the Mass is to be a Eucharistic minister, which is give out the bread and the wine, which they consider... to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And several years ago, he was asked to be a Eucharistic minister. And he went along in the training and became one, and was one until he sadly passed away. But it almost didn't happen. And I want to share the story why it nearly didn't happen. It happened because he had doubts. Those doubts didn't arise from not feeling worthy, not feeling he wasn't a good enough standing in the community. They didn't happen because he didn't want to. It didn't happen because of anything in his past or his emotions. He didn't feel he wasn't up to it or he didn't have the skills to do it or didn't, you know, Have the spirit to do it. Now, the reason it nearly didn't happen was when I say this, I hope many people will feel it's kind of outrageous. The reason he didn't almost decide not to do it was because he had a little fear. And that fear was how would people perceive him giving out the Eucharist? Because he had a beard. Now, not just any beard. It was longer than, to give you an American example, longer than Phil Robertson's beard. It was a lovely beard. I, you know, I'm a man, and I got no problem admitting you know, there's a bit of there was a bit of me jealous of his beard. It, it was it took a long time to grow, and you know, there's a little part of me that says, man, I wish I could grow a beard like that, but that's just not me. But he had fear about how people would approach him and would they approach him? Would they ignore him or, you know, go to another person because he had a beard. Now, I've yet to find a reason or a person to come to me and say, so you're going to come to me. I'm going to say something to you. I'm going to put my hand in a chalice. I'm going to take out what they believe is the body of Christ and give it to you. How a beard interferes with that, I don't know. But I also heard some people say they would never go to him because of that. Because of his beard. It made me sad. And when I heard this story I thought, how silly of a reason. And how sad is it that people actually think like this. And it made me question, how many other people... Are not being involved, not following God or not going for their highest good because of a reason that has absolutely nothing to do with it, but it's what society kind of feels at the moment, what people would actually think. How many people are we disillusioned from serving others because, well, I have a beard? Or I look a certain way. Or I don't dress a certain way. And then. I'll come back to that in just one second. Then I heard another troubling story. And this is from a dear friend of mine. Who will remain nameless. And she is. A truly lovely lady. And she's a grandmother. And she's a writer. And she's a talented writer. She doesn't fit into the boxes that people would put on writers today because many people editors and I've been around some of them who think if you only write a certain way you're good and if you don't write that way you're crap she puts her heart on the page and she writes about subjects that you know might some mightn't think are the most interesting or some Mightn't be the most cool subjects. But she puts her heart out on the page. And she shares her stories and her experiences and her emotions. And she loves America. And she wants to help America find its heart and its core and its soul again. You know, she's not a person to rip other people and tell, call names and insult others. You know, the the things that are cool today. And she told me a, a story that someone told her she was too old to write. And there are a few other things that have happened this week. And when I heard those two stories, I went, my God, how screwed up are we as a society? We are judging someone and their talents on their age and on a beard. How much time do we spend looking at someone's heart? And how much time do we actually think about the real person? What they really want, you know, their life experiences. We have become a culture in many ways that only focuses on the exterior. You know, the stuff in many, many instances we can't control. And we don't focus on what's important. Now add those two stories together and ask yourself, how many times have we done that? How many times have you done that? It's so easy to judge someone because of their upbringing, their age, their education level. Oh, you don't have a degree. You can't be smart. Huh. Believe me, I've been on the downside of that. It doesn't bother me. You know, If you have a piece of paper that says you went to college for three or four years, you're somehow smart to talk on every issue, where if you don't have it, you're stupid. How many other ways we judge you on your income? Well, you know, anyone that earns less than $50,000 a year is stupid or is a moron. We base it on winning. Well, how much do they win? Well, winning can be different to any different from person to person. Again, I go to sports. You know, winning for a pitcher can be throwing two hundred innings. Winning for another pitcher might be winning 20 games. Winning for another pitcher might be closing 60 games. Having, you know, closing 45 games and appearing in 60 games. Another pitcher might think winning is, I don't know, have an era, an ERA of two. Winning for a batsman might be 200 hits, might be 30 home runs, might be 100 RBIs. I'm just using baseball because it's spring training and eventually I have to catch up on how the Yankees are doing. But winning can be different. Winning is different to everyone. But how often do we judge on the exterior and not on the heart of someone? How often do we judge based solely on things? I know I've said this many times today. How many times do we judge someone on their election and who they voted for? Or who they like and not on their heart? Let me finish up this segment by asking you one question. And Making a statement that some will consider controversial today. But I feel it needs to be said for this show. It should be common sense, but it's controversial in 2016. I don't hate anybody who supports a candidate. Anyone is welcome to listen to the show. Anyone is welcome to, to tweet me or get in touch with me on Facebook. Just because you support a certain candidate doesn't make me question have an opinion of you, I'll try and find your heart, your soul, your beliefs, your emotions. Let me give you an example of one politician right now. Sadly, this Tuesday didn't go quite as well for a candidate as they'd hoped. And that candidate is Marco Rubio. Now, could I hate Marco Rubio? I'm sure I could. I could talk about how Marco Rubio wants to negatively impact my life because he supports Amnesty and because he was involved in the Gang of Eight. And I could get caught up in my own personal emotions and go, he's making it harder for me to move to America and achieve my dream. I need to hate him. I need to demean him and insult him. I don't. I don't agree with his position on Amnesty or the Gang of Ace. I also don't share his views on the Fourth Amendment and the NSA. That's okay. I don't hate him. I've never met the guy. My enemy is not an individual. Marco Rubio is not my enemy. Ted Cruz is not my enemy. Donald Trump is not my enemy. His supporters are not my enemy. My enemy is tyranny. My enemy is hate. My enemy is big government. And they are the positions I will try and fight. Regardless of who supports them. But just because I speak out. Just because I share fears. And share concerns about how America is going right now. Doesn't mean I have to hate you. Or have to demean you or insult you. I'll try and find your heart. At each and every opportunity. What way do you deal with people? What way do you. Get involved with people. Do you think I'm talking complete and utter nonsense. Or do you think the world is kind of going the wrong way right now in the way it talks, in the way it treats others, and it seems to desperate to be belong to a collective and brotherhood? That is the question you have to ask yourself this weekend. That is the question you need to ask yourself, and ask yourself what are you going to do about it. Because things don't get better by just sitting around. We need to act. And I, on that subject, I want to discuss something very important with you in the next segment. The riots in Chicago and acting. I'll be right back in America. Please stick with me.
0: You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip.
1: Earl Morris Daily is known as the hashtag bandit. He has held up several uh, banks with a note that were written with hashtags. It all hashtag ended when he hashtag
0: got arrested after he hashtag accidentally parked his getaway right next to the detectives working the case. Hashtag busted. Hashtag don't drop the soap.
1: Hashtag yolo!
0: The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple, with Jonathan Dunn, On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I'm on Twitter, at Freedom Disciple. If you think the first couple of segments I was talking out of my butt, or you disagree, or you have a different point of view, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. So last week, I was watching Chicago. And i watched the riots. And I've watched how people have responded. I, from all sides. I've watched how talk radio has responded. Different opinions. And I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. And I want to tell you what I wished could have happened. And what I wish I could have done. Before that... The actual event. As my good buddy Doc Thompson says on his radio show every morning. Hate is not a platform. Anger is not a platform. And I agree. When you are a candidate or whether you're a popular figure and you're running up hate. The one thing you have to at least acknowledge internally. Whether you acknowledge it externally or not is a different matter. But when you run a platform on anger and hate, you have to understand one critical thing. You don't own exclusivity rights to that hate and that anger. When you build and tap into an anger and a hate, it's entirely likely, if not probable, that someone is going to tap into hate and anger to stop you especially when the people who are tapping into that anger first are conservatives and libertarians. If you think that many on the right can do anger and hate better than the left, I would strongly suggest you look at the history of the world. I hope you don't do anger better. Because I'm sure someone, somebody might hear that statement and go, I can do hate, anger, than the left. We can do anything we want. That's not a good thing. That's not something to be admired. That's not something to put on a CV. I can do hate better than the left. But it's not exclusive to anyone. It's not, hate doesn't belong to a certain race, or a certain ideology, or a certain group of people who are a certain age, or of a certain background, or of a certain education level. Hate can go anyway. Hate doesn't have to be rational. It can be as irrational as you want. Hate doesn't even have to be the solution. Hate can just be used to rile you up and get you to act in a certain way. I am known by any means or by any stretch of the imagination. If you read any of my work or listen to any of my shows or listen to any of my interviews, I have a record out there. I am by no means a pacifist. However, I also understand that the only thing that can defeat real hate is love. Getting angrier won't beat the anger. It just makes the situation worse. You know, to coin, and to use an example that was coined by Martin Luther King, if you're in a dark room, what makes you think putting more dark and, and hate in that room will help? No, what helps is even that little flicker of light or that flicker of love. That is what makes a difference. And if you're ever in a dark room and you just the smallest, smallest flicker of light. Not only lights up that little spot, but it illuminates so many other parts of the room. That is the thing we have going for us. The same is said for love. The smallest little flicker can destroy the biggest amount of hate. It just has to be real. It just has to be meant. So as I was watching this situation, a scenario formed in my head. And I want to share that with you, which I wanted to do. Sadly, I'm not in the country, so I couldn't. But I'd ask you to think, in today's world, right now, March 2016, how would the following scenario play out? And I texted my, a few friends, and I texted my boss this. I wish I could find, including myself, 20 big strong guys who could clearly take a beating. Who could take a punch and had a good heart. And find those 20 people and form a line between the two sets of protesters. And quite simply link arms and pray. And pray at the top of our voices. because that is what's needed and to show love now the chances are in today's world we might be assaulted or might get beaten or tomatoes might be thrown at us but our job will be to stand there and not respond in kind instead respond by saying I love you brother or sister and to continue praying never to have that link broken with your fellow brothers now I ask you if that happened here's some questions for you to consider would it change anything would the media even report it and if so what would be the spin Would we be considered individuals or would we be tired with, Well, they're just Christian extremists? In some ways, I actually would love to do that for one reason. I would love to see the media try and spin that in a negative way. Because apparently, you know, it's cool. Even on conservative websites now, I'm seeing it's cool to demean Christians. It's, it's just cool. It's hip. It's, it's the movement of the day. You know, only a fool is a Christian. I'd love to see the media spin and twist that one. But I would ask you, how do you think we would be received by candidates today? Would we be considered weak and stupid? Would it be considered a pointless exercise? Would it be considered, I don't know, a good thing to do? Would it be considered a Christian thing to do? Do you think it's too late to change hearts, change minds, or would we just be demeaned and insulted? Because eventually I'm sure someone would come out and find out who we really voted for, and then we could hate on us again, right? I really wonder how that scenario would play out. Maybe one day if I'm lucky enough. I'll get to see. And be there firsthand. Because. There is a time to fight. And in different scenarios. We're seeing those times right now. But here's the thing. Fighting. Can only do so much. I see many occasions today to fight. The likes of ISIS. Seeing those. And reading those stories of those. Foreign nuns. Seeing how they treat women. Forcing them to take contraceptives. And doing abortions. Just so they can be ready to service their man. Seeing the. The stories. Of. Convert, die, or pay a tax. I see a time for, for war. And it's easy to paint that scenario. But it isn't always the only answer. Sometimes the only way you can defeat hate is by love. The scenario in 2016... It's clear in so many ways. It isn't about defeating you. It isn't about hating you. Even if you hate me. It's about loving you, even though it's sometimes very hard. Love can conquer anything. Do you really believe that? Or do you, have you succumbed to the Leviathan that says, what he just said is so weak and so timid and so stupid, because I'm sure there are some people who think that. And there are some people who have so little hope today. One person I said it to said, it wouldn't change a damn thing. And I think that was pretty much a quote. I feel sorry for those people who have such little hope in humanity. It's up to us to how we push back. I've said this several times in today's show, but I really mean it. I think in so many ways, today's battle is a battle for our very humanity. It really is. And I hope so many of you who listen to it, consider saving your humanity and making a stand. i got to take one last quick break, America, but I'll be right back.
0: Freedom's Disciple, with Jonathan Dunn, on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Thank you for taking the time to read this. My prayers uh, go out to Israel, and they go out to Taylor, his wife, his family, and all the others who were harmed by these recent attacks. That's Josh Springer, a veteran, writing on Facebook. It is a reminder, a reminder of what we face, uh, what we face out there. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedoms Disciple with Jonathan Dunn On Demand
1: Thank you so much for sticking with me America I want to finish off today's show by sharing a few more questions with you based around the soul based around your heart Before I do just a quick programming note there will be no podcast next weekend as it is Easter week I'll be back the week after with a, a special show I'm working hard on And I've worked on for the last couple of weeks. The Irish election. Sharing how. What they stood for. And to see. And ask you. How are you different as Americans? How is your society different today. To a socialist society? And I hope you'll tune in for that. And share it with your friends. But this is Easter week. This is the last week of Lent this coming week. There are many ways to judge a society. We are seeing them today. How do you judge people? Do you judge them by their beards, by their age, by their education level? Or do you judge them by their heart? How do we look at people? How do we define success? For many today, almighty success comes from the almighty dollar and winning. Let me share with you one of the ways I view and how I judge society as a whole. I'm a Christian. Some scriptures are important. One of the ways I judge it, fairly or not, is this week, Easter week. And I look around and I ask myself one question. If you could get in Doc's time machine and transport this set of people back around 2,000 years. And they were in the marketplace. What would they yell? Would they yell free Jesus or free Barabbas? What do you think? I know many people who listen are not Christians and that's fine. But there are so many lessons to be learned. Whether you're a Christian or not from scriptures. And I constantly think of three. And I'm thinking of three right now and I want to share them with you because to get you to think and to see what you want to fight for. I'm not here to tell you what to fight for. I'm here to get you to question yourself and to see what you are passionate about, what you want to do. The three stories that I always remember when I'm judging, or not judging, but thinking about society. I just told you one. The crucifixion of Jesus. Would you choose Barabbas? Or would you choose Jesus? If you sit down and think about that for a few moments. It really is a frightening thought. The second one. Is the story. Of people demanding a king. How. Everyone else at that time had a king. And they wanted a king. And God said, give them a king. Do you think you live in the times where you're demanding a king? Just look around. Are you demanding a king to look after you? Are you demanding a king to do all the hard work for you? are you demanding a king to push right everything you think is wrong with the world are you demanding a king to absolve you of your duty and your responsibility to act and to make the world a better place and then the third story is the children of israel been freed under Moses and they get out of captivity from Egypt how many people today who live under tyranny of some description if they were shown real freedom would be thankful for it or how long would our kids and our grandkids and our older people wait Until they turned on ever who that Moses was who gave you freedom. How long would it take for you, after achieving real freedom, to turn on it? Because to quote scripture, well at least in Egypt we ate well and we had meat. These are the questions I would ask you to explore this week because it's Easter week. And there is no political hidden agenda in this. This is the type of people you want to be. These are the questions I think are at the very core for the salvation of your nation. Do you want to be an individual or be part of the collective? Do you want Jesus and God in your life? Or do you yet again choose Barabbas? Do you want a king to do everything for you and make everything right or do you accept responsibility and do it yourself and then if you get all that real freedom and God blesses your land because I'm one of those wacky cons- I don't know what you call me wacko bird or you know crazy scripture believing right wingers who actually believe America has a covenant with God That if you re-establish that covenant, that the foundations in education and in principles are so strong in your people that you wouldn't reject that freedom and start questioning God because, well, at least we have meat and we have food in our bellies. Is your faith in principles that strong? This weekend and as we enter Holy Week, if i may be so bold to say this to you look deep within yourself look deep within your soul and see what you truly stand for and that you will stand for no matter what because we are going to start living in times where your real character Is revealed. We are truly going to find out. Who the sunshine patriots are. We are going to find out. Who our real allies are. Who our real friends are. And who the true believers are. It's going to get to a time where. It's going to be so much easier to follow. While it's popular to think a certain way. it's going to be easier to just go with everyone else. Appeasement is one of the easiest things you can ever do. Appease someone, go with the flow. The hardest course is to be that rock. To be that firm and saying no. These are the things I believe are true. And I don't care who I go against. These are the principles I will stand for. I will stand against anyone or anything or any party because I believe in these. Now is the time to find your core, your beliefs, your emotions, your principles. These are the times we live in. You can sit around and think oh, how sucky this is or how crap it is to be, believe, to be born in these generations. And this time, 2016, now is the time to be counted. Your soul is on trial. Let us not argue about how fair or how right that is. Let us worry and let us fight to do the right thing. These are the times that try men's souls. Are you a sunshine patriot? Or are you willing to make a stand when it is the hardest to make that stand? I'm not asking you to believe me or believe in the things I believe. I'm asking you to find out what you are willing to stand for. Are you willing to stand for the individual? Are you willing to stand and say, I don't want a king. America had a king before. It ended poorly. And thank God it did. And I as an individual am willing to stand and make this world a better place. Not by demeaning people, not by insulting them, not by demanding loyalty, but I am willing to stand and make a difference. I am willing to stand for these principles. And encourage and inspire and educate and empower others to do make the same stand. Or their own stand. And lastly, I finish this show, this Easter special show, to my Christian brothers and sisters. Who... pastors or have friends who are pastors or preachers how do you judge your church is your church based on well we have a certain amount of people in our church every week or we judge our church based on our tithing or do you judge your church on their loyalty to God And whether or not they choose Barabbas or they choose Christ. Which way do you judge your church? Do you judge your church based on, well, we have 100 people every Saturday, John, or Sunday, and that is great. Or do you judge your church on your actions? Or do you judge your church on what is preached there week in and week out? These are the times that is impossible to live in. But you will find in your core, in your soul, in your spirit, what is important to you. I, for one, ain't lying down. I will keep speaking to the principles, regardless of who that puts me against. I will speak godly principles regardless of who it puts me against, man, party, politician, president, employer. What will you stand for? Please find out. The day and the hour are growing late. If you don't find out what you will stand for right now, you might find out the horrible truth. It is too late to find out and you will be washed up in the popularity and the appeasement of the day. Please find out what is in your core, in your spirit, in your soul and then stand for it. I will encourage you, empower you and educate you and inspire you any way I can. America's history is so crystal clear. As I laid out last week, your history quite simply is making the impossible possible. Times may be bleak, they may be hard, they may be dark, but just one little flicker can be all the difference. Let us be that flicker for this generation, for this world, for America. Let us be that flicker. Of hope. Because your fellow brothers and sisters. Might share that hopelessness. Let us share that flicker. Because it ain't over. No matter how dark it gets. It ain't over. There is always hope where God is. But for God to show us. His power and his hope and his miracles. We got to choose him, not a politician, not a person, not a party. We got to choose and put God first and not mock those who seek his help. Please decide what is important to you and what you are willing to stand for America. Please. And I will do everything I can to link arms with you. I hope you have a beautiful, blessed Easter week. And I hope you share these passions with your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your family, and inspire them to be a flicker of hope for America. It's always darkest before the dawn. It's dark right now. It's ready to. Lift ourselves up. And to see that beautiful. Beautiful sunset, sunrise. Please. If you like this show. Like it on SoundCloud or iTunes. Share it. Comment. Get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple. I would see you in two weeks America. With some amazing shows. God bless you. And as always. God bless your police. Your firefighters your emergency personnel and your vets. And God bless you, America, the great American people. America is great because of your people. Because your people are good. Never, ever stop believing that. God bless America.
0: This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on The Blaze Radio Network.